Well, if you have your Bible this morning, let's turn back to Daniel, the third chapter. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to talk about the first 30 verses, I I think, but I'm not going to read them to you. (laughs) That'd be belaboring a point. Surviving in a modern world, folks. We need some, we need some help today. Uh, we have to do it sometimes, like a firefighter. We have to be suited up in the right gear and just wade off into the fire, just like uh, folks that we know today. It's been said that. Most people are quite happy to suffer in silence if (laughs) they're sure everyone knows they're doing it, they're suffering. Now, that sounds like human nature, doesn't it? We don't mind suffering. We don't mind not fussing about it as long as we know everybody knows we're suffering. That, uh, however, is contrary to a thought thought that uh, no one likes to think about suffering trials and tribulations. To the contrary, we we do everything that we can to avoid trouble. and discomfort of any kind. I don't like to be uncomfortable. If I could move to a climate where the temperature was a constant 72 degrees, that'd be a perfect place. <laughs> I unfortunately live in the Delta, Mississippi, Arkansas, whatever. And y'all know, like I do, the temperature runs from anywhere from minus three to five degrees. To 103 or 5 degrees, depending on the month. If you don't like the weather, just hang on a little bit because it's going to change, isn't it? Uh, so we, <laughs> to avoid discomfort, we do everything we can. We put heaters in the house, we put air conditioners in the house. And folks, you want to see a mass exodus, let the air conditioners go out at some of these churches. Folks leave. I grew up in a little uh, community that uh, my grandparents, I didn't grow up there literally, I don't guess. We probably lived in Clarksdale, but the little church we all went to was at Farrell, Mississippi. You don't know where Farrell is? There was no air in that building at all and very little heat. I'm going to tell you something. Tall ceilings like this, when it gets 100 degrees outside, don't help much. It was hot in that building. Every woman in the place had one of those old wooden handles. You know, you remember those wooden handle fans? And look, there was a breeze inside the building because the ladies kept it going. You know, and the men just sat there and suffered, I guess, and leaned as close as they could to that wife to get some of that breeze. We don't like things that make us uncomfortable. And sometimes 
we're made uncomfortable by the scripture and by our relationship with the Lord. In spite of all of our efforts, we, uh, we end up in the same place. Sometimes, just standing up for what's right in today's world will get you in hot water. Have you noticed that? Uh, it means going against things that are conventional sometimes, especially against conventional wisdom. Uh, even in our country today, if you look back, the American Revolution went against every grain of thought that was common sense, it seemed, that there was, especially in Britain. So there was a little handful of ragtag men to rise up in rebellion against the largest, most powerful army in the world. Amen. That didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. But God had a plan, didn't he? Amen. We can uh, lose a lot of friends and, and uh, <laughs> political influence and everything else by our going against the grain. Uh, those that follow the Lord, though, stand up for what the Scripture says is right and what uh, they've been taught by the Lord, uh, even though that stance might lead to suffering. And we see uh, some of that in our society today where church folks that are avid and adamant about what they believe sometimes suffer uh, not just financially and politically, but uh, in the heart. Because people they know and love and respect turn against them because of, of their beliefs. Uh, it's, it's hard uh, to, quote, take on the world in the fire. And folks, if y'all hadn't decided we live in the fire... We pass from here, those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ are really going to find out what fire is like. But this little fire that we live in as His children today here on this earth, we need to learn to put up with. We need to learn to give Him all of the pain and all of the trouble that we experience. Because if we're standing up for Him and what's right, we're going to experience that pain and that suffering a little bit. Even here in Arkansas, in Mississippi, in our part of the world, we're going to experience that because nobody likes it when we stand up for what's right. Go to a town board meeting sometimes and you'll find out what I'm talking about. Uh, it's sometimes not a fun place to be. We can learn a lot from Daniel in uh, this chapter, uh, <laughs> he was prepared to take on the world, Daniel was, in the fire. It didn't make any difference. Uh, Babylon was uh, uh, the, em the empire, if you will, of the world in uh, Daniel's time. It was in control of everything. Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And uh, it might be said that he was the figurehead of the world. Nebuchadnezzar. God tells us some of the characteristics of the world 
to us in this third chapter of Daniel when we read about him. And times change. The way we operate changes. Culture changes. Boundaries change. But the sin nature of man does not change. Man is born just as innocent as he can be. And it doesn't take him very long to become a sinner. <laughs> I had a preacher, <laughs> preacher friend that preached one time. You talk about making the women in the church mad. Oh, mercy. He could make them mad quick. He said, your babies are sinners. And he was talking about newborn. Your babies are sinners. And everybody look at him, and some of them just almost wanting to kill him. He said, if you don't believe me, just pay attention. That baby will lay there in that crib, and he'll cry and cry and cry like he's being killed. And you walk over and pick him up. He's not wet. He's not hurt. Nothing in the world wrong with him. But he's yelling his head off like he's about to die. Little liar. They come into the world lying. It's human nature to be a liar. Now you tell a lot of women that about that baby. They get hot with you. I've heard a lot of, well not a lot, but I've heard two or three women want to run the preacher off from church because they call their babies little sinners. Well, we come into the world little sinners. Thanks to who? Adam. He messed up the party. Thank you very much. Don't you want to meet him when you get to heaven? <laughs> we ain't going to be able to sock him in the nose. But <laughs> Lord, this one's yours. <laughs> no, we can't do that. We'd love to, though. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, this, uh, this Daniel, the third chapter, anyway. Uh, even though... Nebuchadnezzar was the man, uh, and our sin nature is very constant. Uh, as we look at Daniel, the first three verses, we, we can read in the first three verses about uh, this statue. Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, made a gold statue, 90 feet high. How tall is this building? Oh, at the peak on the outside. Hello? Can you imagine something four times that height standing right out there? 90 feet high. Nine feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps and the prefects and all those guys uh, assembled for the dedication of the statue to the king had set up. Then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He called all of the leaders of the country to come together before this statue. Now, 
we can't find a leader <laughs> that takes office in our country to call everybody to come to church. This statue that was built, I can't imagine one 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and uh, much less, as we'll see, covered with gold. Now, I don't know about his tax system, but it was a little different from ours in the United States. Can you imagine what it would cost to overlay a statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide with gold? Pretty little penny. We'd be paying taxes for a while. Just to pay for that, not anything else. A herald loudly uh, proclaimed to the people of every nation and language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the gold statue of King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not, this is the way of the world, whoever does not bow down and worship will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. God wants to destroy everything in our existence that stands for him and leads to him. If he could destroy the Christian witness in the world, he'd do it today. God prohibits him from doing that. He can't do it. Therefore, when the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, and the harp, and every kind of musical music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Every nation. Now, some of these people were around the world. According to this, every nation. Nobody could see them. Nobody could tell. But I guarantee you there was somebody in the crowd that would have told the king they didn't bow down. There's always one of those around. You know that, don't you? There's always one around. In every group or crowd or city or church or whatever, there's always one around that's going to gripe, bellyache, and complain. And that's all that amounted to. He was complaining that not everybody was playing by the same rule. He was. Some Christians, some excuse me, some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. I'm going to butter him up a little bit. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears this, so on and so forth. Verse 11 says this, whoever does not fall and worship all, worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's old four boys. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the god, the gold statue you have set up. Man, I put an exclamation point out in the margin of my Bible by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Folks, no matter where you go, no matter how churches fall in line, with society, fall in line with the government. There are always going to be 
some holdouts. And they're going to be treated almost like these men were. Nobody going to like them. Why? Because they're troublemakers. You're just making trouble. You need to be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything about it. It's going to be all right. Well, if it's not all right with God, it's not enough. What's going to make it right? That this, it wasn't all right with God. Not, look, we're going to get rid of these four troublemakers. What we're going to do? They thought the authorities would put them to death or throw them in prison where they'd be out of the way and nobody would say anything. It's what they thought. They wanted to get rid of them. Folks, isn't that the way we treat sin today? And sinful people that do things that we know they ought not to. What would happen? I'm, I'm just thinking this is not possible, I know, because God, God's going to come back one of these days and make it possible. <laughs> when the rapture happens and all the Christians leave this world, we're going to see what would happen. But what would happen if, if there was nobody good to stand up for godly principles in the world today? What would happen? Somebody be down there telling the king, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, not obeying you, you need to cut the head off. That's about all the good we are to most people. I, I'm telling you the truth now. Listen out there in the world. We're just troublemakers. We're dissenters. We'd kill everybody that disagreed with the world. Just like these men. <laughs> if we were going to survive in a modern world, we'd need to learn to take on the world in the fire. What'd they do to these men? Y'all remember, don't you? They bound them up and they threw them into a fiery furnace. <laughs> it didn't take them long to call the king. You need to come see this. When he got there, what did he see? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, walking around in the fire, in the fire, unsinged, unburned, nothing the matter with them. Well, can't you imagine that he was kind of shaken up about that? And uh, we can we can learn a lot from that. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's anger and that violence we see in verses 19 through 23 and his astonishment in 24 and 25. Let me get over there to that. The king Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to the, his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. God sent a, God sent a deliverer, didn't he? <laughs> now, was that an angel or was it the Lord Jesus? I don't know, but I've heard it debated back and forth. It doesn't make any difference. God sent somebody to protect them. I don't know whether it was an angel, as we believe in angels, or if it was the Lord Jesus. But when the king looked in the fire, in the fiery furnace, can you imagine? 
I don't know how big that thing was, but compare it to this room. And he saw four men walking around in that flame, and none of them being burned. Not a hair on them being singed, walking around in the flame. Read what they were doing. They were just talking to each other, playing tic-tac-toe or something. I don't know what they were doing, but they were not being hurt. Now, wouldn't that blow any of our minds today? Physically, humanly, that's not possible. You throw a human being in a fire, he's going to burn. Just like anything else. And be consumed by the fire. He threw these three guys in the fire and he was... First of all, he, he was a little confused about why there were four in there. Didn't we throw three in? Well, yeah, we did. Well, I see four. And one of them looked like he might be a man of God. Go figure. Have we ever been delivered from the power of Satan and the world ourselves personally? If you hadn't, stand up. We let you testify. All of us have. We may not have experienced literal flames like this, but we've experienced the pain, the agony, and the temptation of the world. What gets us through it? I've talked to people who are not Christians, and they don't see how in the world young parents survive when they have a baby die. How in the world? They just can't imagine having one of their children die or get killed. What about a spouse's death? I know people that have lived together for a long time and lose a spouse, and they just break up and go to pieces. And others just have a calm, quiet assurance about them. Why? They have that assurance that my spouse went to be with the Lord and I'm on the way. (laughs) We don't like to think about I'm on the way, but folks, we're all on the way. And our friends and our family need to understand that we're on the way. They need to have such a heart and such a soul sold out to the Lord where they're confident that when they die, they're on the way to be with the Lord. Doesn't make any difference about the fire they're walking in, the furnace they're in. Look, Jesus is waiting on us wherever we light. Jesus is going to be there. And he's going to take us by the hand or take us by the arm or wrap his arm around our neck. And he's going to lead us the rest of the way. King was, old Nebuchadnezzar, he was a little messed up. Why do I see four? One looks like the Lord. Well, welcome to the real world, buddy. <laughs> say again? You think so? To roast? Yeah. <laughs> they might have been. But they, the marshmallows were in the fire, though, weren't they? Nebuchadnezzar's recognition of God and his praise for God and his admiration for those three men. 
He had a <laughs> pro-God experience standing there before the fire. And folks, as Christians, as God's people, that's what people that look at us see and have is a pro-God experience. And I'm afraid that too many Christians today don't give people a pro-God experience that they can see. Uh, we have in our world today a forgetful world that uh, they don't remember anything about God, even if they've learned it. <laughs> this, I read this word. This is a good 50-cent word if y'all want to write it down. Okay. Egomaniacal. Egomaniacal. <laughs> you know what that means? That's, I mean, us in the South would just say self-centered. That, that's just what that is. Crazy about myself. Maniacal. Crazy about myself? It's a, a maniac about me. Right. Mm -hmm. Very self-centered. I don't think anybody ought to do anything wrong or hurt me in any way. Uh, not only that, if you look, look at these verses, you'll see uh, that uh, a lot of them were, uh, were tattlers. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's part of that antagonism. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of sense. Uh, according to verse 7, I think it's verse 7. Let's see if I can get to it. When all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, whatever, people of every language and nation fell down and worshipped the gold statue. They didn't, uh, they didn't have a lot of... Uh, sense about them. They just mindlessly followed what other people said to do. And don't we live in a world like that? You can put it on the television today and you'll be surprised how many people are doing what they see on the TV last night, what they saw. People are crazy, mindless. Uh, according to the scripture that we read, we get, some people get ruthless Look, you don't do like I say do. You don't do like I think you ought to do. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. Where We run across people that are intolerant and they're unrestrained. Nobody's there to stop them anymore. Uh, there's violence exposed in, in their lives. Uh, hypocritical, I guess, is the best way to put it. People act so good, Miss Mr. Goody Two Shoes. <laughs> I can't do anything wrong. And they need to be put in the Word of God and see. If we take the world on in the fire, we're going to be confident in our walk with the Lord and be confident in our faith with Him. When we fall into the fire, <laughs> We want to take on the world as a witness. When he, when the king looked in the fire, what did he see? Three men walking around with an angel. Now what people ought to see of, of church members of Christians today are people walking around with little angels on their shoulders. <laughs> I've seen some pictures like that of, of 
Christian people, you know, paintings and, and art, artistic work with little angels on people's shoulders. Wouldn't it be nice if that's the way it were? You know what most of us do, though, when the little angel comes along? We don't want him up there. <laughs> you won't let me do what I want to. It's almost like having Mama go with you wherever you go. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we sure don't want to do that. And I, I mean, I'd have been pretty, pretty well off sometimes to have Daddy sitting up there. It'd be okay, but not to have Mama. Mm -mm. She had a little different viewpoint about things than Daddy did. <laughs> sometimes we have endurance that follows around when we're doing what we ought to do. Uh, we ought to go through life, if we can, with God's protection. And the only way to come by that, uh, that special protection from God, because He protects everybody, folks. God protects the world. He protects His creation. There's no doubt about that. But He provides His children with a special protection. And they, these guys in the fire, <laughs> the fire didn't have any physical effect on them. Look at verse 27. <laughs> Not even their hair was singed. Now they were in a furnace. Not even their hair was singed. Their clothes weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. Well, now I, I've been around enough campfires to know you know, if you're around an open flame and standing there with three or four other people around a, a fire uh, built in a pit in the ground or wherever, when you walk away and walk in the house, somebody's going to say, you need a bath. Why? You smell like smoke. Take your clothes off and put them in the washing machine or in the laundry and go get a bath. You stink. Quarter the amounts to... We don't like to hear it, but folks, when we walk in the pit in the fire, that's what we smell like to the world. We stink. You know why nobody notices it? They've been in that fire too. They just like those three guys. They weren't alone, but they didn't. <laughs> when when these three came out. They didn't even smell a smoke. It was like they hadn't been in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar witnessed God do a miraculous thing. He witnessed God get in the fire with them. Now, folks, if we don't learn anything else from the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we need to learn this. It doesn't make any difference what we face or confront in the world. God is with us all the time. We can get in the fire and God is with us. God is with us everywhere all the time. When people get after us and want to <laughs> destroy our reputation or destroy us or anything physically, talk bad about us or this, that, and the other, whatever, people, whatever the world wants to do with us, we need to understand God is with his children. Even if he allows us to die at the hands of men, we don't even like to think about it, but we're better off. If we know the Lord, we're better off. We get out of all this mess. If we had the choice this morning, how many of us wouldn't leave this world right now 
to go to utopia, to go to heaven where the Lord is, to live with Him for an eternity. How many of us wouldn't leave here today? We're all getting to the age, if we hadn't gotten to the age already, we think about dying every once in a while. I don't like to think about dying. I like to think about living, but I'm going to tell you something. I've seen the way some of my family have died with different ailments and heart attacks and, and cancer and things like that. Death is not a pleasant experience. But the best way you can die is to have an automobile accident and die immediately. Death is not pleasant. We don't like to look at it, but God is with us. The pain and the agony that we have in this world that we experience our whole lives that may be compounded at death is suddenly gone. And we face an eternity of pure pleasure. I, we probably have friends that we enjoy their company and enjoy being with and, and having fun with and all that kind of stuff. I can't imagine what it's going to be like to go to heaven. The people that think Jesus is an old footy dude has got another thing coming. And I, I, look, how much fun is it going to be to sit at his table and dine with him? You think it's going to be dull and boring? Uh-uh. It's going to be a great experience to be in the presence of our God and our Savior. We ought not to dread that. Now, I'm not advocating suicide for anybody, but we ought not to fear dying because that's where we're going. And those that don't have that assurance need to get it. And you and I are the only place they're going to find it. I'll get off of that box. <laughs> when we're uh, willing to take on the world in the fire, rather than serve the world, God's going to be with us and provide protection for us in every way. That's our God. All of God's people should strive to reach the point in their spiritual lives that we have that kind of faith. To look death in the eye with confidence, knowing that the next moment we're going to be in the arms of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Being a baby again and cradled in the bosom of Jesus. Woo! That's not just a little exciting. Something matter with you. <laughs> we had a friend one time said, "If I don't light your fire, your wood's wet." <laughs> that may be so. Mikhail <laughs> Demolinas. I I can't say his name, but he wrote this: "You're never at any time nearer to God than when under tribulation, which He permits." for the purification and beautifying of your soul. That's just like an extended bath while we're here on this earth. <laughs> some, people, some people don't need as much of a bath as others. 
I'll probably be in the shower until I'm 105. But that's, that's beside the point. Look, our God loves us enough to give up the glory of paradise to come to this nasty place called the earth and humanity and walk among us and allow men to kill him to offer up his soul in return for our soul. There is not a sinner in the world that cannot be saved. People always want to know how much blood did he shed for, for us? How much blood did he shed? I can't tell you if it was a pint or a quart or two or three gallons. I can't tell you. All I can tell you is enough. He shed enough. If my Jesus didn't shed enough but from a pen prick, it was enough. We need to understand that, folks. We, as God's people, need to be telling other people and inviting other people to come hear about it. Okay? Invitation or not, do y'all need an invitation? Anybody need to get anything off of there? We'll, uh, have a verse anyway, and you can bow your head. We don't. We won't sing, Steve. We'll just. What's the brother? Huh? Harold Chris. Uh huh. He said it like this. I'm in the checkout line. You're what? I'm in the checkout line. In the checkout line, <laughs> waiting to go. <laughs> hey, and the nice thing about it is, the it's already been paid for. When you get there, they're just going to say, good deal, son. <laughs> All right. Let's stand together and we'll, uh, we'll have a time of invitation. Anyway, if you, if you, uh, speak up.